Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Legacy Podcast. I'm Mark Warren. My co-host from Long Island. We're back from the holidays. Unfortunately, I grabbed another Coke, um, so I apologize in advance for anything that um, might interrupt the show coming out of me. Um, Hopefully, everything will work out. I'm all nutted up, and we'll get the show underway. We've got a great show today. We've got Lyle Richardson coming back from Specter's Hockey. We're going to talk. We're going to crank up the rumor mill. It's going to be that time of year. Uh, we're going to look at what's going inside VGK 12-4-2 streak. 3-0 and on the current home stand with a tough test today against the St. Louis Blues. So we got a lot to get to. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hockey fans, here we are, first weekend in January. We've got Clint's rumor mill up here in a little bit with Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey and My NHL Trade Rumors, among other publications. He writes for the Hockey News, uh, featured a bunch of other places. You can find him on the web uh, at Spectres Hockey. Let me go ahead and bring in my, our, our, our co-host, Chris Lisa, and content director. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Happy New Year to everybody. And, uh, yeah, uh, 2020, hard to believe. So here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here, here we go. Uh, Chris just dropped an article, and it kind of ties into today's um, today's guest, Lyle Richardson. Um, and uh, I'll, let, I'll let Chris uh, explain to you. It just came out. You can find the link to it at his Twitter page, at the NLCing, or on ILSFS. Chris, why don't you let Yes, yeah, so I wrote an article about the Islanders in terms of their uh, uh, what they're looking to do before the trade deadline, their different options. Um, so before the Adam Pellick injury the other night, but uh, still I think uh, their focus is on a forward, so there's, there are a couple of different ways they can go. So check that out. I got a lot of reads. Uh, I think it posted on Thursday and got a lot of reads the first 24 hours, so I really appreciate that. And uh, if you're an Islander fan, I think um, – I think you'll really enjoy it and see the different options and whatnot. And uh, you can always shoot me uh, shoot me a tweet and let me know what you uh, what you think of what I wrote. So I appreciate that. But uh, uh, the Golden Knights are. I haven't got a chance. Well, hold on. I haven't got a chance to read the article yet, Chris. I did retweet it on at Vegas Hockey Pod. Um, Can I guess there's a certain Pajot that might be mentioned in your article? Yeah, I mean, basically the Islanders have been. It feels like they've been short of center. They've, they've, uh, you know, they got uh, Barcel and Nelson on the top two lines, and then they got the Sezikis line, uh, and they, you know, they lost uh, Valtteri Filppula last year, who anchored that third line center for them, and they've had a lot of different uh, people fill in that third line center. They signed Dark Brassard to play center, been better at wing, so um, they they could really use a center. Uh, I talk about that with, with Pajot. I even say a great consolation prize, uh, a little Vegas angle, provided that he's healthy He's healthy in the near future, would be Cody Eakin. And I also talk about, um, you know, should they go this more center route or should they go more of the scoring forward? As we saw the other night, although <clears throat> the devil really played really well, the puck just wouldn't behave. But, you know, the, the one thing about the Isles is uh, – can they, you know, could they use another score? The answer, of course, is yes. So in terms of scoring forward and the different options there. So, yeah, if everyone would check that out, that would be great. I think Cody Eakin would be a great fit in the top system, too, by the way. Um, yeah, just, uh, I think so, too. Just, just, just healthy, yeah. the top of my head, I think, he, yeah, we haven't seen him play a while now. Um, and on the injury front, we'll transition into the next conference. Um, last time we saw them play uh, – uh, Nick Wahat up to play center on the fourth line with Reeves and coming for, forward for the first time uh, his first goal of this season as a matter of fact playing left wing 
Uh, Marshishel missed the last game along with Tomat Nosek. So Wa was in for Nosek and Merrill playing forward for uh, Marshishel, whose day-to-day was low. Didn't appear to be serious. It looked like he went down the tunnel in the first period of the previous game and came back, scored two goals in that game, but maybe whatever you know, whatever the tweak was kind of stiffened up and um, he did miss practice, I believe Wednesday or Thursday and, and was, a, it was a scratch in their last game. So injury front, always something to keep an eye on. Um, I haven't seen anything this morning yet. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what the, what the lineup looks like today. And hopefully they have a full complement of players because they have a, what I'm calling probably their toughest test of the month in the uh, conference leading St. Louis Blues coming to town for an early game, one o'clock at the Fortress, sir. Yeah, and, you know, this is an interesting time uh, for the Knights because the, the Pacific is playing a lot, a lot like the Metro, and I guess we could say the Central as well, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Sure. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over being sick again this last week. You got it too, brother. (laughs) Yeah, upper respiratory, unbelievable. But anyway, um, uh, so VGK has been playing really well for a while, and usually you get rewarded in the standings, get a little bit of a cushion, um, and and really they haven't. I mean, yes, they've moved from that third place slash first wild card slash playoff bubble to first place in the division, and that's a big jump, obviously. But you look at it, they're only, you know, they're only two points ahead of Arizona, and Arizona has a game in hand. They're only four points ahead of Vancouver, and Vancouver has three games in hand. And then the, the teams on the outside looking in, you know, Edmonton at uh, 47 points, so that's only five points back with a game in hand, and, and same for Calgary. Uh, the Sharks are far back from Calgary at 39. Uh, they have, a, that's a whole, that we do a whole podcast about them, but my point being is, um, you know, there's not a right now big uh, room for error. Uh, they have they're on this long home stance, and this you know the rest of this home stance they're playing some hot teams. I mean, you, <clears throat> you mentioned St. Louis this afternoon. Pittsburgh comes in. I can tell you this from following them as they are tied with the Islanders for second place in the Metro. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, um, you know they've been on a real strong streak. Yeah, the Kings come in. That's the game they should win. And then Columbus comes in, who's been one of the hottest teams in the league somehow. And then they go on an eight-game road trip, which is a little deceptive from the standpoint of the first half of that road trip, or the first four games, is before their own break slash all-star break, where they have a 10-day break. And then the second half, you know. But still, they're going to play eight straight games on the road. In fact, they play uh, Columbus January 11th, so that's next Saturday. And then their next home game after that is February 8th against Carolina, which is kind of strange. So, uh, you know, they got some tough games coming up at home, and then they have eight in a row on the road in a very untraditional road trip. Basically two, a four-game road trip, then the break, and then a four-game road trip. So, um, yeah, things are super tight in the league. Uh, and so this is this is a you know you got to keep you got to keep winning. Uh, it, it seems like it's it's there's no separation going on in the Pacific, and we see that pretty much throughout the other divisions as well. Uh, the Atlantic's a little bit different, uh, but we see that trend of the Pacific, the Metro, and the Central in that regard. Yeah, no question. I was looking a couple days ago and. If you take the first couple teams out of the equation, um, I think the the point gap between, let's say, third in the league and 15th in the league was like eight points, I think, a couple days back. It might have expanded a little bit, but but if you win two games, you could jump from 12th to 5th, and if you lose two games, six teams could pass you. So right now, you think on a 12-4-2 streak, you could, like you said, you could be creating some of that separation. And I thought that uh, Edmonton was um, going in, into a slide and that there was going to be some separation there. Um, Arizona lost a couple games in a row. Um, they've bounced back. I, I haven't seen um, 
really much of a, a Taylor Hall impact yet, probably still um, feeling his oats, if you will, uh, down in Arizona. We'll see how that trade uh, bears out as the season goes along, and we'll get Lyle Richardson's thoughts on that here in a few minutes. But uh, one thing that we need to keep our eye on, we know that, that Mark andre Fleury lost his father, and it's always something tough to do, but he hasn't been what you'd call sharp in his last few starts. So they gave Suvon the shot, and – that was their last loss. <laughs> Although he has been, he has had a very good stretch of hockey in him this year. Um, in fact, if I was going to, they were just over the halfway point. I'd say if I was going to give out my mid season awards, uh, Subban would probably get the unsung hero award for mm-hmm. keeping them in it on a, on a five game win streak while Mark Andre Fleury dealt with his, with, you know, fasting of his father. Um, uh, Riley Smith also touching on that unsung hero with uh, what might be the quiet. He's on pace for 30 goals now at the halfway street. It might be the quietest 30 goal score um, with all of the, the other things that Riley Smith does for that Carlson line. Um, and then I would probably say MVP so far, Max Pacioretty. And, and uh, I don't, I'm sure you remember, Chris, I was hard on Max Pacioretty when mm. You know, the first few months he was here, I didn't, I didn't like his effort. I didn't like um, his tendency to glide into and out of place through the neutral zone. And you know, he came in this year, and and he's on pace for career highs in goals, points, and assists. So, definitely starting to see the leadership qualities of why they put the C on him in Montreal now here in, in Vegas, and. You know, consistency-wise, he's also probably he had a, he had a little bit of a, a stretch early in the season where he had a he was a little snake bit. I think he had like six posts in three games or something like that. Excuse me, but um, you know, consistency. He's you know, Riley Smith was super hot early and he's warming up again. Marshall Show um, he gets streaky as well. Two in the last game before missing or the game before before missing that with a little body injury. Um, Carlson was hot for a bit and cooled off, but the the second line, I guess, or the first line, however you want to call the the Patch Ready Stone line, because they're playing with Stevenson as the center now. That uh, Stafflin's moved down to third line with Cody Eakin being out. Um, call it the Stevenson line now, if you will. Um, Consistency-wise, the that line and Stone also has been playing fantastic hockey, and they, like you said, Chris, they need to keep it up. Um, it, it, interesting that they wouldn't call up a forward like I'm not sure of the waivers availability on on some of the guys down in Chicago, but you know you have Brandon Peary down there. Um, there's plenty of wingers in Chicago that they could have called up and to go ahead and use Merrill as a left winger. Um, kind of, I don't know if that says what the organization thinks or whether if it, they they expected Marshall to be back from his injury today. We'll find that out soon. That's um, just to me is a, is kind of an interesting decision, and I'm not sure if that says something about their depth, the waiver situation, or if that's going to just be a short term thing for Marshall. But I mean, we've seen defenders step up and and play forward at different times, but I didn't expect that this time around out of the Golden Knights. Yeah, and the other points to keep in mind is, uh, and this is a league point, but it affects the Knights, is, um, you know, I think roughly almost a third of the games are going to the overtime. So that means even the team that you're competing with, if they get a loss, but they get half a loaf, it's, you know, they still got a point out of it. <laughs> so it's hard to get that separate. Like, oh, we won, they lost. Yeah, but they lost in overtime or they lost in the shootout. So we only gained a point on them, you know. So um, that that has made uh, separation in the league uh, more difficult. Uh, with more each year, the parity getting even more and more, which is hard to believe. And you're getting more overtime games. So more overtime games means more points for everybody. So and less separation. So yeah, it's like I said, a very interesting time for 
the nights, and when we get Lyle on, we'll, uh, which should be any moment or two, uh, uh, we should uh, be curious to get his thoughts on what he's hearing, uh, what's the wish list for uh, Vegas in terms of uh, uh, the trade deadline. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of uh, teams trying to create separation, there's no better no better side on the net than Spectres Hockey to go to to find out who is going to be making some moves to try and create that separation. Uh, and the founder of Spectres Hockey, Lyle Richardson, joins us now on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you go to at Spectres Hockey or My NHL Trade Rumors. Uh, to get all the latest NHL trade rumors. Lyle, welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Thank you for taking the time this morning to talk with us, sir. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure to be back on. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on to chat. Well, we're starting to crank up the rumor mill. That what may have been one of the biggest pieces here to move has already been moved in Taylor Hall to Arizona. Um, we've seen Buffalo make a couple of uh, kind of ancillary moves, uh, Moving uh, up to Montreal for a fourth round pick. I forget who they traded. Defenseman. Uh, refresh my Scandella. Mind. Pardon me? They traded Scandella. Scandella, yes. Thank you, sir. And then flipping a fourth round pick uh, to Calgary. So a couple of moves are starting already. Um, if, if you're a fly on the wall with uh, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, I. What what are you hearing that maybe Vegas might be interested in as they go towards the trade deadline? Well, interestingly, uh, there there hasn't been a heck of a whole lot of speculation uh, about the Golden Knights uh, over the last uh, the last couple of months. Um, I think you know part of that has to do with uh, you know where they you know how they've been playing so far this season. Uh, you know, it's been a little bit, obviously, a little, little bit of up and down, but uh, overall, they've uh, they've been, you know, generally right in the thick of uh, the playoff chase, pretty much uh, from the get-go. I mean, they're currently first in the Pacific, and uh, usually, when you're riding, kind of riding high in the standings like that, uh, you know, there usually doesn't tend to be a heck of a whole lot of hockey uh, hockey rumors circulating about these guys. But that being said, uh, there has been a, a little bit of speculation. Like, uh, Justin Emerson out of the uh, the Las Vegas Sun, uh, I think it was about a month ago, he was making the suggestion that, uh, you know, perhaps the Golden Knights should look at uh, bringing in like a top four defenseman, somebody like uh, New Jersey's uh, Sammy Batanen. Um, you know, he could right. uh, Yeah, I mean, he'd be, and, and I, I think that would be a good addition. Um, I, I certainly think he would he would be uh, just what they're looking for uh, on their blue line. Um, you know, Emerson made the point, you know, that uh, Vatanen, he's he's been a solid offensive contributor for his entire career. Um, you know, he would uh, he he plays well in his own end. He 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 you know sees a lot of power play and penalty killing time, and uh, you know. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent, uh, currently playing on a on a bad team in in New Jersey. Though lately they've uh, kind of picked up their play of late, but uh, I don't think that's going to be enough to save their season. And if if the Devils decide, uh, you know, that they can't resign him, or if he doesn't want to uh, resign before the trade deadline, perhaps he'd become available. And uh, you know, he would be the type of type of guy that could fit in on their on the right side of their blue line, and you could maybe uh, again, Emerson made the point that you could then move either uh, Nate. Schmidt or Shea Theodore over to the uh, the left side where they're they're more comfortable and uh, Vatanen could slide in there right. on the right side either on your top pairing or your second pairing and uh, he'd be a good fit that way. So I would say, I mean, looking at uh, you know the way the uh, the Golden Knights lines are are pretty much are, are compiled right now, uh, I'd have to say that would probably still be I think uh, possibly uh, the the their main need if they decide to go shopping uh, when the trade deadline approaches toward the end of February. No, I thought that would have been a great fit too. That was right around the time Taylor Hall was. Uh talk with, you know, the rumors around Taylor Hall were heating up, and that was, I read that article as well, and I thought that that would be, be a real good fit, considering they have arguably three, five, six defensemen playing on any given night and a rookie to have uh, a veteran like Sammy Dunman um, come in and, and at a rental cost, you know, you saw Scandella move from fourth. It, I don't think it would be 
cost prohibitive on the assets going the other way to, to explore that kind of a deal. And speaking of the devils, um, obviously Taylor Hall has been moved. What was your, your uh, thoughts on the return that New Jersey got um, and what that kind of w- will set the market as we go forward with the trade deadline? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, we were, you know, you were talking about the best player who was uh, available or, or, you know, was available, in the, was available in the trade market. I mean, the guy's a former, uh, you know, uh, a Hart Trophy winner and uh, obviously a top-line guy. And uh, I, I think the Coyotes certainly got him for, I, I wouldn't call it so much as a, so, so much as a steal. I mean, they did have to give up, you know, a decent return to get him. But it, it didn't cost them any of their, uh, any promising young players from their, from their lineup. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that was a, a deal breaker for a lot of other teams. So, you know, at, at that stage, you have to look at where the devils are coming from, from that point, you know, they, they didn't want that situation to linger any longer. They wanted to, 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 to get hall moved out so they could, you know, commence moving forward. Um, you know, you can make the argument, well, if they had waited longer, waited to the trade deadline, they probably, probably would have gotten a better return than what they did. But in in the instance, that considering their circumstances, I, I don't think they got they fared that badly. It wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a, a great return, though you, you'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, it's, it's full of mainly prospects and, and draft picks, so we'll have to see how right. that all develops in the next three to four years. Yeah, but... Uh, I don't think it was a horrible return either. Now, is that going to set the market for some of the other guys that are going to be potentially available? And I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about them uh, later on here uh, in, in this blurb. Uh, it could, but, you know, what you get for a player when you trade him in December and what you get when you trade him lead on, the, on deadline day are two completely different things. Hey, Lyle, it's Chris here. So I just want to got a number of bullet points going to hit with you. So just to wrap Great up on, the Devils, <laughs> uh, Palmieri and Vatnin, I would ex- uh, expect, and uh, Palmieri is selling through next season at a reasonable 4.6 cap hit, but I would expect both those two are, will probably be Connors and maybe even their captain, Andy Green, because it's clear what direction the Devils are, are going in. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yes. Um Again, once again, I mean, they want to put the shift the focus more towards uh, the younger guys like like Heshire, uh, like obviously uh, young Jack Hughes, and and you know some of the other younger guys they got obviously like Will Butcher and and, and others. Um, so yeah, I, I think that we're probably going to see that they'll try and dangle some of those guys as we get closer to uh, the trade deadline to see what kind of return they can get. Um, Palmieri though. You know, if if you can't get a, a reasonable return from him on on the trade deadline, you could wait until the summer to make that move. You know, because as you said, I mean, he is signed through next season. He's got a reasonable contract. Um, yeah, you 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 might uh, be better off waiting until you get close to uh, the NHL draft in late June to see what uh, you know how his value is on the market then. But uh, I mean, yeah, as far as their other pending uh, UFAs go, I mean, you even have to wonder if they'll, if they'll try and move Wayne Simmons as well. Uh, there was also some talk that, that uh, Miles Wood uh, was being shopped uh, or, you know, that his name was out there. But that was about a month ago. I think, obviously, that we haven't seen him moved yet in the case there's not much of a market for him right now. Maybe that changes when you get closer to the trade deadline. Or, again, I mean, he's signed beyond this season, so they could try and move him in the off season as well. Now, do the Senators sign Peugeot, or do they trade him? And what can they get for him? Obviously, he's having one of his best one of his best offensive seasons. Although anyone would probably say he's a great secondary scorer type of guy, the mm-hmm. the the, uh, the few the 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 value in him is the the sum of his game, especially uh, a two way guy, a penalty killer. Uh, could they could they pry a first round pick from somebody for Pajot? Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, you, you must never underestimate the ability for an NHL general manager to overpay for talent, uh, especially when when uh, you get to, to deadline day and the clock's ticking. 
but in in a in a otherwise normal world, you would probably get it most. You might be able to get a second round pick for him and end perhaps a, a decent prospect or maybe a you know a, a, a promising young NHL ready player. Maybe you, that's what you get for him because you're right. I mean, there's there, you know no knock against the guy. I mean, Pajot's a, a ter, you know he's a terrific two way player, um, and you know he he also uh, definitely steps it up in the playoffs as well. Um, he's a terrific guy to have on on any team. Um, but you're right. I mean, at, at best, in, in on a good team, at, at best, he's maybe a, he centers your second line. On a really good team, he's he's your third line center. Um, yeah, he's having a career year uh, offensively, but uh, you know, I, I I think a lot of teams would be interested in him. I think if, if the Senators were trying to trade him, they'd obviously say, you know, hey, look, this guy's a thirty goal scorer, and the other ones will go, uh, yeah, he's a thirty goal scorer in his contract year, and the rest of the time he never gets twenty goals in a season. So yeah, it it'll be interesting to see what they do. The the, the really interesting thing is we're we haven't heard a peep from the Senators or from the Pajot camp regarding his contract status. You know, you know, since the start of the season, both sides have kept mum. We don't know if they're talking. We don't know if, if the Senators have washed their hands of him and they plan on trade. We have no idea what they're going to do with him, which is a, a big change in how they've conducted business in the past. I mean, you, you look at... Uh, uh, you know, with with Eric Carlson and and Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne and and Ryan Zingle last season. I mean, we knew everything that was going on with those guys. Uh, and this year, it's been quiet on both sides. Now, if you're a Senators fan, that could make you optimistic that perhaps you know he, they may be able to resign him because he's a local area guy. Uh, you know, and that could weigh into, you know, factor into things too. And yeah, you could say, well, the senators are a joke and they, sh- he, he, he probably wants to get out of there. But if you've watched the senators at all this season, they're not a joke anymore. I mean, they're not a playoff team, no, but they're not, a, they're not a joke anymore. They're actually quite entertaining to watch and, you know, they're going to get better over the next year or two. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that goes, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, I was just <laughs> going to say, that's the guy I, I want, uh, and I think a lot of Islander fans want to see Lou get. They've been short of center for the pretty much the whole season, despite having a really good year. Uh, he would fit into a trot system like a glove. The Islanders would not be, it would just, we would slide him into that third line, ask him to contribute secondary scoring, be a two-way guy, which is what Trotz believes in. And help them on the on the PK. So that's I think he, he would fit like a glove. And uh, I would over if I didn't have to give up my first round pick to get him, I would yeah. overpay with secondary assets. Like I'd give up two twos over two years to get mm-hmm. him as an example. You know. Um, yeah. But. Uh, Oh, excuse me, um, but yeah, no, no, I mean exactly. But you know, there, there's going to that's that could be uh, you know uh, that could also drive up his value as well. Is it's not just going to be the Islanders who are going to be interested? Oh, in sure. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers would love to have him on their third, you know, to center their third line because that's a weakness for them. There's lots of other teams that would that would love to be able to get their hands on him. So, you know, if the Senators decide, you know, well, we can't afford to bring him back, uh, okay, we're going to trade him. They could potentially squeeze one of those clubs to, you know, if if not give up a first round pick, then maybe you can get, you know. Uh, Two or three, you know, maybe three quality draft picks for the guy, or spread out over two years. Uh, so, you know, that's something worth keeping an eye on as well. But again, there's there's really no certainty right now uh, if, as to whether or not Pajot is going to be available or not. Uh, the Rangers, an interesting team from the standpoint of they've been competitive. They're in the kind of playoff mix, if you will. Chris Kreider's a pending UFA. I don't believe they're going to sign him. I, I always say like. If an organization enters the last year, you know, uh, with a player who's a, let's say, a top six forward or top four defenseman, and they want to take a wait-and-see approach, that 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 says it all. I mean, they signed yeah. Bernarin to a very big number. They have a lot of young forwards coming. But having said that, if they're in the mix, let's say, you know, they're five points out or, uh, you know, they feel like they're playing competitive hockey, you know, they're kind of selling for the future. But if they're not going to bring him back, and he can fetch a really nice return, kind of is a little bit of a quandary. Uh, the Rangers have been clear about this. 
the last couple of years, so this is a better version of the Rangers this year, a little bit better. You know, last year they moved Kevin Hayes. I believe the year before they made the big trade with McDonough and JT Miller in Tampa. So they've been sellers these last couple of years. What do you expect them to do with Kreider? Well, yeah, you you make some terrific points there about how it could be a quandary because they are playing better than expected. I mean, you know, I think taking the wait-and-see approach here um, regarding trading him you know, is the right one. You want to see how the rest of the season is going to shake out. They're playing better than expected. Um, they're really not that far out of playoff contention here. Um, right. You know, they're just a handful of points out. You know, they get they they string together a few wins, and lo and behold, they're they're right into it. Um, but I think once I think a month from now is going to tell the tale with with the Rangers and with Kreider. If they haven't gained any traction in the standings at all, when the calendar flips to February, they're sellers and Kreider's gone. You know, uh, you know, un- unless he's willing to uh to accept a a reasonable contract uh, extension but i i think we're beyond that point <laughs> you know as you, as you said when when you go into the off season you've got a top 6 forward who's you know a year away from ufa status and you say well we're just going to take take it one day at a time and play wait and see and see how it goes yeah in most cases that guy's a goner <laughs> by the trade deadline so I think that's what will happen with Kreider if, if the Rangers haven't gained any traction. But, again, as, as I said earlier, and as you noted as well, if they manage to, to stay in the hunt, if they're right there, you know, and you're Jeff Gordon and you're, you, you've you been preaching patience and selling hope and selling the future, and it looks like the future could be here maybe a little quicker than expected, would you not want to give your guys an opportunity you know, to to see what you can do. In which case, Kreider becomes an own rental, and then okay, you could maybe try and uh, and offload him for you won't get as much, but you could try and offload him before uh, free agency trade his rights and see what you you know what you can get from him that way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I I think a month from now that picture's going to become a lot clearer. Before I hand you back over to Mark Lyle, uh, I want to talk about the Florida Panthers. I think you talk about an interesting quandary here. Uh, you know they're. Uh, I believe they're in the play- they're in a playoff spot as we speak. Uh, they've been a little bit better than expected. Uh, they can score, that's for sure. They have a lot of players who can put the puck in the net. They have two, you know, thirty low thirty um, scoring forwards, scoring wingers, and, and Mike Hoffman and Dandino, who are going to be UFAs at the end of the year. You know, odds are at best they bring back one of them. Um, Will they look to make a hockey trade where uh, clearly this team needs to get better defensively and better on their blue line? Will they look to make a hockey trade? Because they could trade one. They have enough scoring where they could trade one of those guys uh, and try to bring back a defenseman uh, if they can find the right dance partner. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I could we you could certainly see that. I you know they they stay in the playoff chase. You look the way they have been right now. They will not be selling. Uh, but as you said, they've got two guys there, Hoffman and Dadanoff, and one of them maybe they could dangle for, you know, as you said, maybe a, a second-pairing defenseman. Um, if you, know, you could also maybe look at trying to improve your backup goaltending as well. Um, I'm not saying you'd move one of those guys to do it. You know, you could probably give up a draft pick or a prospect for that. Um, you know, there was some some mention in the Ottawa media that maybe Craig Anderson, you know, could could end up with the with the Panthers because they need uh, you know some some goaltending depth as well. But they've also got limited cap space, so I don't think that would work. And that turns back to your uh, to your point about them maybe doing a hockey trade, maybe moving somebody like Hoffman, for example. I think of the two, Hoffman might be the guy who who would move. You know, Dadenoff's got some really good chemistry uh, there on that. I believe he's on their first line. So I don't think they'd be keen to move him, but uh, Hoffman, I could see, I could see him going. And yeah, you know, you could talk about dollar in, dollar out that way, or maybe you know, you you could move Hoffman, and perhaps you uh, you get yourself, you know, maybe a, a more affordable defense, and maybe that frees up a little more wiggle room to bring in a, a backup goalie if you're willing to move a prospect or a draft pick. All right, we're talking with Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I want to jump back over to the Pacific Division where you got two teams, I think, that should be sellers in, in the Ducks and the Kings. And the Sharks, we'll talk about the Sharks. I think their window 
was this year, regardless of bringing in Carlson on the long-term deal. They have 10 UFA RFAs uh, in the next two years and five players eating up 40-some-odd million in cap space. This is that time that the Kings saw a few years ago and the Blackhawks as well. And um, this was their window, and they've they've not responded. Um, Are we going to see any big-name players moved from the Sharks? Are you hearing anything out of that camp? Uh, so far, uh, no. Um, all the the talk right now is that is that uh, Wilson is still wants to be patient with this with his current bunch, um, and if he does decide to go out and, and be a buyer, uh, you know you can't rule it out because obviously he's you know he he has that history of swinging uh, major deals in season to uh, to improve his roster. But again, that's going to be True. another one where yeah. Yeah, but that's another one where I think, you know, as you said, that window is, is rapidly closing, not just on their Stanley Cup uh, aspirations, but just reaching the playoffs as a whole. I mean, they're not out of it yet, but, you know, they can't afford to slide any further back. And if they haven't gained any, any ground in the standings, I'd say by the end of the month, then, then Wilson has to go from being a, a buyer to a seller. He's not going to have any choice. Um whether you're going to see any big names go, uh, well, hmm, that that remains to be seen. Um, obviously, it won't be Joe Thornton won't be going anywhere. I mean, I, I keep hearing that and his name floated. But listen, if Joe Thornton wanted out, he wouldn't have asked for a no movement clause in his in his one year contract. That's that that's right. not to prevent him from going to the minors. That's to prevent him moving anywhere. Period. He will finish his career as a shark. He's not going to go chasing the Stanley Cup. That's that's not his thing. Um, one guy though who could move could be Kevin LeBanc. Um, you know he had a he had a good uh, a good performance last season. A lot of folks were surprised. I mean, what he had something like I think 50 points last season, over 50 points, and he surprised a lot of folks by accepting just a, a bargain basement one year one million dollar deal. He was you know he was essentially betting on himself. And thinking that, you know, hey, yeah, this, you know, if I sign this and, you know, be a good team guy, I'll get rewarded uh, and get a bigger contract. Um, he's, he's, his, his numbers aren't horrible, but he's not on the pace that he was on offensively last year. I said, yeah, I'm looking at it now. He's got 20 points in 42 games. Um, yeah, he could probably reach 40 points by the end of the season, but that's well off uh, the 56-point pace he was on last season. So there's a possibility maybe you could move him, um, but the question is, what are you going to bring in? And I'd say the number one thing they need to get is goaltending. Um, goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. That's the, the main Achilles heel for these guys. I mean, yeah, I know their their power play sucks, you know, really their special teams overall haven't been that great. Their power play has really just sucked. They've been terrible. And that's surprising. Oh, it's hard way. to believe. I know, isn't it? I mean, well, it's so hard Pavelski, for a team that's got all that offensive talent. I mean, yeah, Burns and Carlson well, in the Pavelski, back end. Pavelski quarterback that thing. He was the straw that stirred the drink on that power play for a long time. And boy, time. yeah, are, are we ever seeing and his absence now? It, you, you wouldn't think eh, that just absolutely. one guy removing one guy from that equation would totally screw up their power play. We got guys like Couture and and Evander Kane, you know, Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle. I mean, you know, Thornton, who can still be, he's still a terrific setup guy. Um, you know, yeah. and. And as you said, you know, you got Carlson and Burns, uh, you know, on the blue line there. But they should be better than that, and they obviously aren't. But, again, it's the goaltending. The goaltending has just been horrid. And, you know, I think you hate to say it, but Martin Jones needs a guy that's going to push him. And Aaron Dell is not that guy. He's just not. Um, You know, they're stuck with Martin Jones. Yeah, I know, eh? I mean, they're stuck with Martin. What Jones. happened to Martin Jones? Honestly, he I, he. I think he's one of those goalies that needs to be pushed. He needs competition. If there's no competition, he he doesn't see like some goalies are like that. Some goalies, you know, they they go out there, they're starting goalie, and they play like a starting goalie because they know they're the man. You know, nobody's going to unseat them, and in fact, they get upset if they lose playing time to a backup. But Martin Jones seems like a guy. I, that just he needs somebody there to push him, you know, and that that's just not there with Aaron Dell, 
and you know they they can't move Martin Jones because right now his trade value is is just in the toilet. I would say right now. Um, <laughs> no and doubt. And you, you've got yeah you've got him another four years at five point seven five mil a season. He's also got a modified no trade clause here. Thank you. Uh, shout out to our good friends at Cat Friendly. Uh, just a three team trade list. So there you are. Not easy to move. So you're stuck with them. Uh, but Aaron Dell, but Aaron Dell's a UFA at the end of the season, and they they need to up, upgrade between the pipes big time because that has been they would they would be at at, at least a, a wild card team right now with better goaltending. With better goaltending, they've got twelve twelve maybe fifteen more points right now because they have lost games uh, that they could have won if their if their goaltending was better. So uh, if you That's move fair. a guy like Kevin LeBanc, maybe you you go out and you're you're looking for a promising young uh, young goaltender that you can bring in. Maybe you move a guy like Brendan Dillon. His name has come up. Uh, he's a UFA, and maybe you might be able to to, to use him to bring in uh, a promising young goalie. But uh, as far as bigger names go, um, I don't see them moving somebody like say Timo Meyer. I mean, yes, he's another one who struggled this season after you know playing so well, but. You know, they just signed him. He's only 23. You you don't want to give up on the guy. He's he's part of your future. Um, do you move Thomas Hurdle? You know, I mean, he he tends to be kind of up and down. He's a bit of a streaky scorer, but you know, and he he gets injured a fair bit. But you know, 31 points in 38 games right now that ain't nothing. You know, you still want to you know when when he's healthy and on his game, he's he's terrific. So you don't give him up. Um, you know. Do you really want to try and move Logan Couture, your captain? You've already moved out one captain. Do you want to move another one? Um, so what does that leave you? I mean, you got like a Vander Kane. He's another yeah. one. Three-team trade list. Only three teams and seven mil a season. Good luck with that unless he's willing to expand that no trade list. So something, yeah, I think Wilson's got to get. painted himself into a corner. I think Wilson's yeah. painting himself into a corner up there. He's handing out no move clauses like candy. He's got five or six guys taking up the thirty five, forty percent of his salary cap. And mm-hmm. with his pending UFA RFA list, if they don't get back into it this year, I yeah. I think it's gonna be a long hard road for the Sharks to put together another contending team. Let's go to let's go to the Ducks. Oh real quick because, real quick, Mark. Lyle, uh, correct me I'm wrong. Go this ahead. may add to the Sharks pain. They don't have their first round pick this year. That was part of the Carlson trade, right? So you are no, correct, sir. It, there's yeah. no can. It's definitely you. the Sens pick. <laughs> like last year was the Avs. Uh, definitely the yeah. Avs pick for the Sens, right? There's no protection. So mm-hmm. uh, if that winds up being a lottery pick, who knows where that winds up landing? Oh boy, yeah. And and there you are, Ottawa laughing all the way to the bank right now. Yeah, all of a sudden they they don't look so bad. Uh, they traded away a lot of picks too. In that draft, uh, you know, and and like I said, if 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 Wilson does decide that he's going to start uh, shaking things up and look toward the season, I think that you know trying to restock his draft picks will, will be will be job one. No question about it. Are you hearing anything from the Ducks and Kings? Um, uh, they bandied about um, Carter and Quick, but Carter said he'd retire before he played for another team and. Um, we don't know where we are with Jonathan Quick. Um, anything out of either of those camps yet? Uh, well, with regards to the Kings, uh, all the uh, the Quick and Carter talk that was very early in the season when uh, there wasn't really a heck of a whole lot, you know, for insiders to talk about. Say so that that was that was along the line of, hey, right. would these guys get traded? Maybe do you think at some point, perhaps, maybe. But now that we're getting into right, the right. real world here, yeah, now that now we're into the mid-season here, the, the names that come up are, are their pending UFAs, and the big one, of course, is Tyler Toffoli. He's the guy coming up the most. Um, he's the guy I think is most likely to move and will draw the best return, uh, especially if Chris Kreider does not go on the trade block. Uh, Elliot Friedman uh, made that point last weekend, and I had to agree with him that, I mean, right now, you know, if, yeah, if, if Chris Kreider goes on the trade block, absolutely he's going to be the best forward available in, the, in this year's trade market leading up to the trade deadline. But if he doesn't, then it shifts to Foley. And you have to wonder as well um, if some teams that are – some contenders get a little bit desperate for a score 
or at least a good two-way forward, maybe they don't they they lose patience waiting with the Rangers, and maybe they decide to jump onto Foley before his price goes too high. But uh, yeah, he he would definitely uh, draw a lot of attention, and I think he's he's going to be the, the next one to go. Uh, Kyle Clifford could go. Uh, I've heard his name mentioned as well. Um, you know, even Alec Martinez, um, not too certain. I mean, he's still got another year left on his deal. Uh, he's currently recovering from having wrist surgery. Um, he's expected back, I think, by the end of the month. And there was some talk that Montreal was interested in him, but, of course, Montreal went out and got Marco Scandella, so I'm, I, I don't think that they're going to be in that market either. But there could be interest in him because, remember, they moved uh, Jake Muzzin last season, and he had a year left on his contract, and they managed to get a first-round pick and a pretty good prospect out of the deal. So, you know, yeah, maybe did. if another team is willing to dangle that same offer for, for Martinez, who's a couple years older than Muzzin, but if they're willing to dangle that, hey, who knows? Maybe maybe they might move him as well. But Toffoli seems the main guy for the Kings. As far as the Ducks go, it's been kind of quiet. Um, you know, Cam Fowler's name came up again, linked to the Habs about a month ago. I didn't put much stock in that. I mean, listen, hey, if you're a Montreal fan, as as I am, <laughs> I would love to see Cam Fowler in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. But I'm realistic enough to know that's not going to happen. Um you know, they really don't have a lot that you could say that, that, that they could sell. I mean, maybe Ryan Miller, but I don't think Ryan Miller wants to leave. Uh, that's another one. You go, oh, no. maybe he paid no trade clause to go to a, a cup contender if he had the chance. No, he's he's where he wants to be now, and I think he's accepted that this is the end of his career. He's not going to win a Stanley Cup, but, hey, it was a good run, so I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, as I said, they really don't have a lot to move, and, and I've even heard Jacob Silverberg's name come up, but again, they only just re-signed him. He's 29, um, he's, one of their best, he's one of their best scorers right now, and they're a team that's, that's thin on offense, so it makes no sense to me that you would trade away Jacob Silverberg and weaken yourself further while you wait for your kids to develop. So I really don't see them making any real significant selling moves here. Um, I think their whole. I think uh, Bob Murray's game plan is just let's stick with youth. Let's see what we can get in the off season. Um, you know, I mean, they're not going to have a heck of a whole lot of cap space to work with next summer. They got like over seventy-one million invested in fourteen players, but you never know. If they, if if they were to get a decent offer for for uh, you know maybe somebody like Fowler or maybe Lindholm, I don't know. Maybe they might make that move to bring in a score because scoring's their their big need right now. Defensively, they're not bad. It's it's their offense that that needs help. So I don't know. Maybe they might try and take a plunge in the free agent market. We'll see. But I don't see them being big players uh, at the trade deadline. Lyle, Chris again. Well, real real quick, from... real quick before I throw you up, throw you no, off. Did, so did, did we just start the Ryan Miller to San Jose or? Because we keep Ryan Miller on the West Coast, where we know he wants to be. We know that yeah. Jose needs a goaltender that'll push Martin Jones. And if uh, LeBlanc wants to go down to Anaheim, there you go. You just made a trade right there, Lyle. <laughs> you could do that, sure. But I, I don't know if if uh, if uh, Wilson, Doug Wilson wants to see Kevin LeBanc come back to haunt him <laughs> down the road from Anaheim. Yeah. Not a bad suggestion, then, though. That's uh-huh. not a bad suggestion. It's <laughs> not too shabby, right? It would get it would get no. hits on Twitter probably. You get a good conversation going. Um, you know what? Yeah, you know thing, what? Toss, you toss, toss that out there for toss that out there on Twitter just just to see what the feedback would be. I'd be really interested in seeing it. Tag me in that one too. I'd like. To, I'd be really interested to see okay. what the feedback yeah. would be. Yeah, if Ryan Miller one of would those, accept uh, Yeah, one of those uh, who says no type tweets, right? Yeah, I, I bet you we yeah, get you're the just feedback. I'll here. do that. You're just yeah. Yeah, you just yep. spitball. Throw that out there. Let's, I'd be really curious to see what the reaction would be. Last one for me, Lyle. Is there anything about is, the depth of the, the – go ahead, Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah. that is um, what teams, Lyle, do you see uh, being very aggressive buyers? Like, do you have, let's say, three or four teams that are hoping for a big spring, that they're willing to – you know, trade that really good prospect, or even give up their first round pick. Uh, who's your Who's your eye on in terms of being an, an aggressive buyer? Well, uh, in the East, I would keep an eye on the Boston Bruins again. Uh, they need secondary scoring, so you know, definitely keep an eye on them. 
Um, I'd also keep an eye on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not going after a, a big uh, – I don't see the Leafs going after like a, 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 a big name, but they need a quality, reliable backup goaltender. Because if anything happens to Freddie Anderson, they are screwed. It won't matter how many goals they can score. They'll lose a lot of games 8-5 to five and 7-6 seven to, seven to six and nonsense like that. So, yeah, I can definitely see the Leafs uh, being an aggressive buyer. Um, just again, try to try and get a decent backup goalie. Um, I would not rule the Islanders out. We all know Lou Lamarillo operates in the darkness <laughs> and operates usually quite effectively in the darkness. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, because you're right. They, they need, uh, another center. And I, I don't think it's good enough to just coast along. I'm also wondering what they'll do now that Adam Pellich is, is pretty much, I think he's, he, well, he's going to be done. He's done for the season. Um, he's done for the he, regular season, sure. Could they come been, back for the playoffs. But but they do have uh, Noah Thompson, who really yes. deserves to play the whole year, and he's been their seventh defenseman. Uh, yeah. Granted, you got that righty-lefty thing going on, but so they do mm-hmm. have a – I mean, Adam Pellick is a very underrated player. Unless you oh, he's watch their most the durable. He's their most yeah. durable and their most reliable. He's he's been like uh, Barry Trotz's every man, like on the, yeah. on that blue line. You need him to kill penalties, he's there. You need him on the power play, he's there. You need him to log twenty minutes, he's there. You know, very under underrated, and I think we'll hear a lot more of him going forward in the future. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. They, they would probably go with Dobson. You know, PEI boy, yes, go for it. Um, you know, I definitely think he, this would be his opportunity to get a shot. But if if he if he has difficulty adjusting into that role, maybe he shifts his eyes towards it, towards bringing in a, another defenseman. But I definitely think a center as well as as Lyle, I think would just be the ultimate fit for them. If you it really can get comes him. down to it comes yep. down to you know does 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 Lou have to give up a first round pick to get to get a rental? And if so, will he do it? Or does Lou have to give up? A prized prospect like an Oliver mm. Wallstrom, and yeah. I think he'd rather get. I think he'd rather give up the first round pick. Quite honestly, I think it really yeah. comes down to that. If 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 it sends GM, uh, his name's escaping me right now. If he says, "Hey Lou, you want Pacheco? It's going to cost you your number one, Dorian." Thank you. Uh, yeah. That, that, but I don't know if it will cost that, like you said before. No. No, I don't think it would. I don't think it would. But uh, anyway, in the East, those are the guys I, I think that are really going to be the most aggressive. Um, in the West, um, I wouldn't rule the Avalanche out. Definitely wouldn't rule them out. They they had interest in Taylor Hall. They weren't willing to give up, um, you know, their first rounder or you know their top uh, defensive prospect in Bo Byram. They weren't going to give him up. Uh, but I could uh, definitely see them kicking tires on Chris Kreider if he hits the market. Um, you know, maybe they look at Tyler Toffoli as well, so I wouldn't rule them out at all. Uh, if Edmonton is still in the chase, definitely very much they will be They will be aggressive buyers. Uh, Calgary Flames as well. In fact, the Flames have set the table. They're not done. When they made that move and they shipped out Michael Froelich, that freed up. Uh, that freed up over four million bucks in cap space for them. So they are not done. They're going to be buyers, and it could be sooner rather than later. We'll see. But yeah, don't rule out the flames. Yeah, that would be a good place for Kreider. Uh, it would be, uh, but I mean, I'm not sure that any Canadian team is on his uh, oh, right. trade destinations. Yeah, modified no trade. And that's a stumbling block. So it, it could happen. You can't rule it out. But I, I think his preference is to stay in, in the with an American-based team. The Bruins. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk of linking him to the Bruins, and also to the uh, the Penguins and the Avalanche and the Blues as well. Though he's a left side guy, and they need a, a guy on the right the right side, the Blues, since they lost Tarasenko, but. They've they've done so well right now without Tarasenko, um, you know that maybe Doug Armstrong just stands pat. Maybe he doesn't go after a guy like like Kreider if the asking price is too much. Maybe he looks at somebody like Toffoli. Hey, there's a right side guy. Um, but yeah, Kreider would be good on on any of those. Kreider would be good on any team. Let's be honest. You know. And keep in mind, just to throw the speculation, I'll, I'll let Mark finish for you. Uh, it wasn't that long ago where the Rangers sold Rick Nash to the Bruins 
That's right. Uh, and got uh, so they you know they have that re- somewhat recent history of the same GMs making yep. a buyer seller deal. So I don't know whether or not that helps or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, it, it, any any time you got teams that have a prior trade history, I mean, yeah. you, you know, you 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 can't rule it out. You 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 know. And you can't rule out trading within a division. I mean, we've 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 seen that so much. I mean, a lot of times, depending on the player, yeah, you know, you prefer not to trade him within the division. But when you need help, you know, like like Montreal needed help, uh, you know, yeah, they were able to 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 work with Buffalo to swing that deal, which also got Buffalo Froelich out of Calgary. So it was kind of sort of three-way trade I guess you could say because Buffalo used the draft pick they got from Montreal in the Scandella deal to, to flip it out to Calgary to get uh, Fro League uh, but anyway the point was yeah you, you, teams teams, if, if the deal's right teams will, will trade within the division even teams that usually don't trade with each other I mean hey it used to be that uh, Toronto and Ottawa never traded with each other and that got blown out of the water when the Dion Phaneuf trade happened three years ago so yeah you can't rule anything out well, right. Um, one last thought. You threw out Kyle Clifford. I just thought the team that came to mind real quick was Pittsburgh. Um, they could use that type of player, I think. Um, I, I got to believe that when uh, Regal got traded from Pittsburgh that there was a, a kind of a quiet moment with Sidney Crosby where he thought to himself, damn, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> you know, you know why you need a Ryan Reeves, obviously. And yeah. uh, it feels like that that kind of player could fit good in Pittsburgh. The other thought I had while you were talking about Foley being maybe the number one, possibly the number two most sought after free agent is um, earlier this year he was a healthy scratch at different points that uh, went to the coach calling him out in the media as someone who needed to step up uh, and, and play a more determined type of game. Um, is that talk about the depth of what might be available in general, that, that the guy can go from a healthy scratch to um, being one of the more sought-after assets on the market this year? Are you referring to? To Foley. Oh, yeah, to Foley, yeah. Um well, I mean, Toffoli. Listen, Toffoli always had had a pretty good pedigree to, to, heading into the season. Anyway, you know, he he had a good reputation as as a solid two way player to begin with. Uh, whatever happened this season earlier in the, you know, I, I don't know where his head was or anything like that. But I mean, you know, he, he since since he as you said since he got called out, I mean, he has really stepped up and and yeah, he's back to playing the way Tyler Toffoli can play. Um, That's true. You know, I. Yes, and and listen, we you, you don't know what the full story is or anything like that with some of these guys either. I mean, listen, right. Foley, I don't think needed a kick in the ass to tell him, you know, look, this is your contract year, play better. Right? Uh, there may have been, there, yeah, yeah, maybe it'll come out down the road. I don't know, um, but uh, I honestly though too, I think Toffoli might be in need of a change. Could be one of those guys that needs a bit of a change of scenery because you know maybe maybe the losing there is starting to get to him maybe he he's you know because he he's seeing it and living it every day you know he can see what the writing on the wall is i mean it you know the kings not that long ago looked like they were always going to be a you know a, a if not a stanley cup contender at least a decent playoff contender and they're not that anymore and won't be again for a little while so i don't know maybe that got to him maybe there was personality conflicts with the coaching staff. who can say we'll, we'll maybe we'll find it out after this season but uh you know he he's Tyler DeFoley is, is is a very good two way player. He's a versatile guy. He can play center or wing. He's he you know he's a consistent, reliable for you know forty points every season. Um, you know, yeah, I think he'd be a, a good addition to uh, to any playoff contender right now. Well, all right, well, thanks, man, for for coming in and, and getting us prepared as we head into the trading season. We've we've uh, we've talked about Spectres Hockey and my NHL trade rumors. Uh, where else can guys find your stuff uh, going on the web? Uh, well, you can uh, find me at uh, featured.io. You can also find me uh, at uh, Sporting News. Uh, I do have a weekly column there. I also have a weekly column with the Hockey News online and uh yeah that's uh 
you know, and if you're in, if you if you if you read German or you're in Germany, you can also find me at Ice Hockey uh, Magazine as well. So yeah, I'm I'm all kind right. of all around. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks a lot. We're going to bring you back, uh, you know, six weeks down the road, and maybe a little bit after the trade deadline to break out. Uh, you know, everything that went down and give us your perspective on it. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Always a pleasure to be on, guys. Uh, yeah, I'd uh, be delighted to pop back on uh, maybe post-deadline, and yeah, we can we can break it all down and see what we got right and see what we got wrong. <laughs> all right. Look forward to it. Okay, Thanks, take Lyle. care, guys. All right, Lyle Richardson, again, from Spectres Hockey. Um, what do you got, Chris? Um, yeah, so for next Saturday, we're going to have Russ Cohen on, uh, talk a little bit Eastern Conference hockey, talk a little bit World Junior Championship, talk a little sneak peek uh, draft, and then we have our midweek show coming up this week. Speaking of World Juniors, I was watching the, the Russia-Sweden semifinal this morning. Russia wins in overtime. A uh, really good hockey game. Uh, We'll see who they play in the final later on, but uh, it's been a pretty good tournament so far. Uh, I haven't, unfortunately, unfortunately, I haven't seen much with between work and sickness and stuff. But uh, it's always, oh, it's yeah. always a great tournament. And Russ Cohen will have his eyes all over it, so it'll be good. To oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's great to have on. Break that down for absolutely, absolutely. Well, make sure you guys go over and check out the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. They're good enough. There's our show as the Golden Knights podcast. They have a podcast from every team in the National Hockey League, one-stop shopping. Um, they're on Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. Um, the Hockey Pod on Twitter, I believe it is. Um, so go there and check it out. Uh, find your favorite team. Uh, they got the best podcast in the business on the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. All right, Chris, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I guess we both got through it without too many um, attacks of our cold interrupting things. So I hope you're feeling better, sir. I'm uh, I'm kind of fighting. I'm not sure whether I'm going to go full bore again or not. Um, Next couple days will tell. Um, We'll be in Wednesday, uh, everything permitted, with just a little quick midweek recap on the Golden Knights. We'll be looking back at the St. Louis Blues game that's about to tip off in about an hour. So, uh, I'm going to go and start pre-gaming for that. Chris, thank you once again for all you do for the show. Man, I appreciate you. I got you, buddy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week, and we will see you all on Wednesday night. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're going.